Hi guys, here we are once again. This is the podcast Conversations for Men and Women. It's number 19. Uh one off being in the in the 20s, far out. Um our last year as a teen, our last podcast as teenagers. Di, the last thing you said to me is um do you often refer to yourself in third person? And it made me laugh to myself. I was taking your cue. I, no, was it? Yeah, maybe I do speak to myself in third person every now and then. So, yeah, Dean occasionally speaks to himself in third person. Uh, is it therapeutic for me? I'm not sure it came out that way. I think I, I think it's really healthy to be able to um, alter our view or our perspective um, from different framing points, from different pivot points. So, yeah, maybe it's it's therapeutic in that way. Today, though, we're talking about stuff which is a little bit more about whether it's first, second or third person, and that's um, with reference to our partnerships, the unions uh, that, we've, that we consider to be um, the, the most significant of our lives and when they actually don't end up um, being everything that we felt that we'd committed to originally. Um, we call it breakups, separation, divorce, if we're talking about marriage. And, um, yeah, some of us have an experience that might be a little bit ugly. Uh, others have an experience where it's, um, where it's really amicable and uh, really evolved and uh, it's a continued, continued evolution in co-creation with each other despite the, you know, the so-called status of what our relationship actually is, uh, whether it be in the Facebook um, profile or um, how we describe our relationship with um, with that person in our mind is it our ex is it um, is it the father of our children the mother of our children um, how are we going with that how do we navigate that it's um it's something that we typically hold attachment to and that is uh, basically maintaining the the best semblance of our lives possible and ideally if we've got anything beyond you know the self-cherishing mind um, that's only looking after ourselves we actually hope that our partners or our exes or the mother or fathers of our children are traveling as well as what we can as well together die um i guess it's it's fair to say that all of us chad you and chad and yourself die and myself we've all got experience in this department what um what speaks to you with reference to this topic? Oh, <clears throat> um, well, I think separation is probably one of the hardest journeys in life, you know, um, because you go into a marriage or a relationship with such high hopes and such a high and it's, it, it, suddenly the world is 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 okay and you're safe and secure and you've got somebody who loves you and this is you know and so when that is shattered when that is broken doesn't matter whether you're the one leaving or the one left or whether it's a mutual it is still a total uh it is it is is such a um it's one of those major life events I would put alongside death. It's like a death because especially if there are kids involved because the nuclear family that that that's not that's that's kind of like a an entity 
entity in itself and to break that up is is devastating for all involved, whether you're, <clears throat> whether you're the lever or the left, because you are losing that not only the the physical the physical entity of that family that is created and so you have to go through the grieving process um there could be also so much guilt if you're the one leaving but the person who actually leaves is often the one who has been very lonely or suffering in the relationship and finally decides to leave and then there's the person who's left so both people are left with a, a a lot of pain I think either way because they have to do that work and um where kids are involved I don't think it's actually the separation that does the damage so much I think it's the way the separation is handled and that's the really important thing is if the if the parents are putting the kids interests first which is really hard because it's such an emotional turbulent time and that's when all the all the word all the words that you don't want to say come out all those you know that anger that hurt just comes out plus the financial stress I mean there's just so much I I really think it's probably one of the hardest times of my life having to navigate that and and you it that is a time when you really need support I think you need to have somebody to talk to and you know a therapist or a family member or friend to help you because it is it is like a death I think it's a it's one of those little deaths in life or big deaths where you have to really you know soul search your own soul. It's very confronting. Thanks, Di. Yeah, it's it's, it's all a series of births and deaths, isn't it? The cycles and the phases, and um, yeah, it's fair to say. I believe that nothing is is linear and nothing um, remains the same. And you know, obviously, obviously, we hope that things um, evolve, get better, and sometimes we have to accept, or at least we're pushed or challenged to accept that things went the opposite direction, that things didn't get better, and uh, they got worse. Generally speaking, um, or another way of framing it in my mind is that we can simply say that the the challenges served the challenges that we experience within relationships served um served that phase in our lives for both of us because within everything in relationship we're we're sharing no matter how yeah, I'd, sorry i'd like to add i mean that was all very dismal because that's my experience of course but um i think there is a positive as well. I'd like to say that, add that, because, you know, it is even though it's a death, then there's, a, you know, a door opens after that and it's an opportunity for growth. And then, you know, I'm not factoring in because it wasn't my experience to people who as adults both arrive at a point where it's time. You know, that's possibly the best, less painless, you know, split. Perfect. Thanks, Diane. That's 
exactly what I was getting to. Not to say that. Sorry, uh, I interrupted. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. It's great. This is this is where we're at. Let's flow with all of it. Um, when we open that door into the next chapter, we have a choice. We either have a choice to basically take the challenges as teachings and um, and grow from those teachings to hear to experience um, what life's or the universe's whatever you want to perceive it as lessons have been given to us and. So well, hang on, this is actually, this is my experience. This is happening to me. Um, I'm going to go down with this sinking ship and basically numb myself and drown myself in my sorrows and and sign out and blame and project and all that kind of stuff. Uh, or basically I can I can look up to the light and and see if there was something there that was actually for me. What is for me? What's on me in this? What is there that basically is coming from me well basically it's everything whatever suffering as far as i'm concerned whatever whatever discontents you've got guess what that's uh, that's coming from you and that's coming from basically the part of you that needed to understand that uh with more clarity and you know i do wear this hat of the more esoteric um bigger picture um person not amongst the three of us but in terms of how i frame these things out loud within the podcast what i also know is that despite having that um, view um, very entrenched within your outlook Chad you're also the guy that cuts straight to the practicalities of like how the hell do we do this Chad I know you've got the answers hey guys yeah it's um I think it's a topic that almost everybody would have experienced I don't think anyone goes through his life unscathed from from a relationship ending, whether it's an intimate relationship or a friendship or a business partnership, um, you know, there's so many forms of of separation. But I don't ever think we're actually really prepared on how best to handle the separation healthily. And I guess for me, what was what was coming up when you guys were, were speaking then was. You know, two people will will talk about intimate partnerships. Well, I will. Um, here, two people get together and they they project this high dream onto each other. You know, for the first six months, twelve months, two years, who knows? They they almost project unconsciously project who they want that person to be, and they believe that person is this person they've created in their mind. Then as as a relationship unfolds and people get closer and both people unconsciously start to let their guard down, I think then almost the true parts of us can be revealed. You know, that, that intimacy kind of breakdown that I've shared before, you know, into me I see. And then there's, there's a lot of dreams and there's a lot of um, planning in most relationships, I would think, and there's a lot of um, forward-looking, whether it's marriage or kids or old age or retirement or buying houses or holidays. And then if, if that relationship ends, we're not just losing that person, we're almost losing all that future that had been planned out together. You know, and, and and both of you spoke about, you know, how hard it can be and 
you know, Dean said then about looking for the looking for the higher lesson is definitely a good thing and is definitely what I push myself to try and see and also my clients. But I think there's also a real value in feeling these feelings as well at the end of a relationship because anything we swallow, any repressed emotion we swallow will come out sideways somewhere in our lives. You know, and there's almost a map. There's almost a map to this grief process. Well, there is a map to this grief process. There's there's many different models of, on grief. You know, there's the seven seven stages of grief and the five stages of grief, and then there's you know a three map process on getting through relationships and relationship endings. And there's so much stuff out there. Probably the biggest thing I would say is to to feel those feelings because if we're trying to block them down, anyone's trying to block them down and they don't get to see the light of day, I think there'll always be some, you know, like if, if it was anger for as such, you know, because it generally seems to be anger and sadness that I, I feel most people, the main two emotions that most people feel at the end of a relationship, you know, and if those two, emotions are in collision you know it's almost even if you if somebody thinks about the posture of anger you know once your your chest is puffed up and you you're ready to take on the world and sadness is also almost the opposite where you're kind of withdrawn and hunched over and you want to retreat from the world if those two parts of us don't get some airtime and don't get a place to actually come up be felt and get out, I almost feel like they stay in collision inside of us. And then like Dean said, then we can project that onto the other person. Because sometimes it can't, whether you're the person who got broken up with or whether you're the person who broke up with somebody else or whether it was a mutual decision. I really, I really find, I'm, I'm sure that does happen, but I'm really... It seems to me like the idea would always come from somebody in at the end of a relationship. It would be very rare that two people just actually broach, bring up the topic at the same time. But even so, it can be it can be just as hard for the person who ended the relationship, if not harder sometimes, than for the person who the other person left. Because then that choice is yours when these feelings come up. You know this because you know the being the five. I don't know how many listeners out there know the, the the grief cycle, but I'll talk about the five stages one briefly. You know, which is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Like Dean mentioned, nothing's linear, so we don't pass through this cycle and then okay, yep, tick it off, we're done. You know, these, these, even these feelings can be in collision and can come one after the other. You know, and I know a lot of clients I work with, they really blame the other person. Oh, he told me he'd never leave me or, you know, she told me this would never happen or, you know, but what's happening in that instance to me is they're not allowing themselves to go through these processes of 
really grieving and and understanding their part in it. And then, like Dean said, then getting their lesson on, okay, well, why has this happened? And generally when we feel when we feel an emotion, we almost, if we haven't processed that same emotion through other relationship breakups or through other events in our lives, we'll almost, so when I'm feeling sadness, I'm feeling all the sadness that I've ever felt in my life that I haven't processed. When I'm feeling anger at the end of a relationship, I'm almost feeling all the anger that I've never allowed myself to feel throughout my life. And then if we don't actually allow those things to be felt at this time, then it gets bottled down and then comes up, you know, gets to come up in the light of day in another crisis and then a lot of the times we push that back down again. And so I guess, you know, we see that a lot where people will jump from relationship to relationship. You know, it's almost like instead of feeling the sadness or the pain, the loss, the grief, the depression, instead of actually feeling those things for a period of time, we jump straight into another relationship and almost band-aid those feelings, push them down through through another person coming into our lives. And then when that relationship ends, we either have to feel the feelings of all the relationships we've ever had or we have to find somebody else, you know. And I guess you know, when there's kids involved, we really have a responsibility. You know, if two people have separated and they have children, joint children, there really needs to be a focus on working through this shit themselves so that they can be the best person they can be for their kids because there's no point having all this anger and resentment and the kids are experiencing that because they haven't actually worked through through it. But that can take time. You know, that can take years for some people as much as they want to do it. That can actually take years. But I guess if they're aware of it and they're seeing somebody, whether it's a, a therapist, a close friend that knows this process, there's somebody, some safe space where you can actually fully get get these emotions out properly though, like to feel them properly. What does it feel like? Tell me about that. Where does it hurt? What does it look like in you? You know, really experience, not, oh, you know, oh, he left me and I'm fucking hate him or she left me and she's a bitch, she took all my money. You know, that's not feeling the feelings. The feelings is I'm, I am hurt because you know, where does it hurt? It hurts in my chest. It hurts in my throat. It hurts in my and then really follow those feelings and bring them out to the surface and give them some air time. And I think then we can be. We can be better people for it, and and then have a chance of having, in in this case of of sharing children, of being able to have a healthy relationship with our ex partners, or like Dean said, you know whether we choose to call them 
the mother of our children or the father of our children or our exes or whatever whatever label that suits, suits for us. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot in that, and I'd love to hear um, your experiences, guys, of working with people who have separated, who share children, or your own experiences. If you don't mind me just jumping in really quickly, Diane, uh, in direct response to the second last thing that you proposed there, Chad, I, which I originally proposed, is I like to refer to uh, people that have been in my life as my um, as my intimate partner by their name, <laughs> as, I, as I always did and, and always will. Um, and the reason I do that is because um, when I start putting people into a um, into a box by calling them the ex or you know the the mother of, to me it's just got intonations, and I, I know that intentionally or motivationally it doesn't have to come from that place, and more often than not that that may be the case. But I just like to call people by their name. To me, that's that's really respectful. Um, again, I'm going to be really quick here. Um, I advocate to everybody that. Um, we're not malevolent beings. We actually don't break up with each other to hurt the other. We break up with each other to try and find some semblance of happiness within ourselves, full stop. Um, yeah, we we don't often break up with each other to be able to allow the our partners to be a happier version for ourselves. Fantastic if we do. We're not malevolent beings. We don't try and hurt each other intentionally. That's not our primary motivation uh, at the other end of the spectrum, there's conscious uncoupling where we consciously make note of what it is that we've come through our existence in this life as a human being with so um, that we can get to know it more and consciously be able to share that intention uh, and separate uh, in uh, in union, <laughs> paradoxically, separate separate together um, because we share the motivation that we just want the best for each other. And last but not least is um, with all of those notions in mind, as the benevolent beings that we are, we start with ourselves and we start with compassion for ourselves, which is effectively what we're doing unconsciously when we're separating, which is trying to be happy. Doing it consciously, we say to ourselves, I have every reason to be compassionate for my, towards myself. Even more so, I've got every reason to be kind to myself and I've got every reason to be loving to thyself. And really that's where the practice begins so that we can actually allow ourselves to feel that way towards everybody and it often starts beyond self with our immediate partners. That's where the tide starts to turn. With reference to the kids, there's nothing wrong with separating as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing wrong with two people deciding they're no longer in the same cycle together. Um, but as long as we're doing it, as long as we're exercising integrity and consciousness and not giving mixed messages, the kids get it as far as I'm concerned. Di, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's that's such an important point because even if you're trying to be um, totally like to protect the kids by not speaking about it in front of them and just trying to be happy, even if it's fake, they they will pick up on the underlying emotions and it's really important for the kids to know the truth, not, not the gory details if there are ones, but they need to know 
that this is your pain, not them, that that kids will internalise it and not understand it and think it's their fault or question what they've done. And ultimately kids would probably prefer to have their parents together. But if their life is being made miserable, they are being they are picking up on the on the on the anger and the sadness and the conflict. And so the damage that is done if there is um if there is really heavy fighting and arguing and and even physical violence, I mean, you know, um and that's often that's very common, especially I think in our area too. I think there's a lot of people who haven't got that ability um, to control, to step back and think about things. They just explode. They haven't got that that handle on their emotions, and and I, you know, um, that's when the kids are really damaged because. They're just vessels for all this emotion and anger and they don't know what's going on. But if the parents actually say, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> this is my this is between, you know, your father and I or your mother and I, um it's not, you know, we're sorry, but you know, we're having a hard time and explain to them and that that you both love them and all that you have to do a lot of that stuff to make kids realise, I think, that they didn't cause it. And they you mightn't even know. They might never tell you. And they may not consciously know. But a lot of kids will blame themselves and think that they've made mummy unhappy. If they see mummy crying, they'll go and try and fix mummy up. You know what I mean? They don't realise. Unless mummy turns around and goes, sorry, I'm just really sad. But, yeah, the truth. I think authenticity, we come back to that all the time and the kids get it. But... If they don't know what's going on, they spend their whole lives. I think I've mentioned in a previous podcast that my parents took their fights into a closed doors, behind closed doors, and I never, I thought they'd never had a fight. I didn't think there was any disagreements. And then when mum, when I heard dad say to mum, you stupid woman, that's the worst thing I ever heard him say to her, <laughs> I thought, I went marching downstairs and said, don't you ever speak to my mother like that again. I thought it was the end of the relationship. And then when I was in my marriage and, um, you know, there was conflict, I was devastated. I thought this is the worst thing ever, but I think kids need to know that it's okay to have a conflict and the parents need to learn the skills on how to resolve the conflict and come back to loving or in the relationship. But if they're separating, they need, I don't know, I'm really not, I'd probably rather hear from from your experience because I can't, my experience wasn't positive. So in the way we handled it. So had you said, Dean, that um, you think, um, it's possible for the kids to get it. How do you do that? The the go-to position I've got, and this is, again, a personal experience um, that I'm speaking through, uh, was to sit down and it uh, depends on the age of the kids, obviously, but um, 
but you know what like as long as as long as there's the ability to communicate on any level it's actually age dependent as far independent as far as i'm concerned so i'll continue saying what i was going to say and that is that we sit down with the kids and have the conversation um and ask the questions more private more um more personally um do you guys know what's going on and you know Ideally, we do a practice of that too before we actually separate. Um, guess what? You know, how are you guys going? Um, and I ask my kids this to this day, you know, on Father's Day the other day, um, how are you guys going? Like how's how's life um, for you guys as, as the kids of this dad here? And is there anything that I can do better? Um, and, you know, I've got a few things that I think you guys can do better from time to time. They're not important for me, enough for me to be able to bring them up right now. But I invite you guys to uh, know that you've got the um, right, every right to be able to suggest to me that you're not seeing things as happening in the way that you'd like them to and, and to ask me why, why they're not. And at least then we can communicate um, our reasoning. That's And that's conflict management 101. Um you know, let's just get to know where the other person is coming from, the other people are coming from with the case, in the case of the kids. Hey, guys, where are you coming from in this situation? Or at least know that you can ask us where we're coming from because as those big people, um, you know, we might present as big crazy people and exhibit absolutely no meaningful sensical, <laughs> sensical behaviour whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's that's my go-to right right now out loud communication um asking the asking the questions being open to receiving uh the things that might hurt a little bit as well um and you know obviously we're we're fearful beings that try and protect ourselves as much as i can so i i say once again let's try and i guess take down the protective mechanisms as much as possible step out of our self-cherishing as much as possible or our self-protective fearful as much as possible and um, open up the conversation knowing that we're all just trying to basically be the best version of ourselves. Chad. Yeah, it was almost um, the way you're explaining those two experiences. It's almost two completely different relationship dynamic breakups right there. You know, and and in a perfect world, it would be great if we could, you know, sit down and have a trial break up of what we're going to say to the kids, and 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 that does clearly happen. But in my experience, with majority of clients I've worked with who are suffering a breakup, um, being in the same room is almost impossible for them. Being in the same room was impossible for them in the relationship, let alone when. They've actually broken up. And that was when I referred previously to, you know, what what name you give your partner or, you know, and, and Dean sort of said that he always calls people by their first name. And obviously if, if we're evolved enough and we can, we've processed our emotions enough and there's no hurt or pain or anger there, that may be the case. But, you know, I remember reading reading a journal article on, you know, how important if that if that person, if there is a lot of anger there towards that ex-partner and they do share children, how important it was to maybe remove their name from a period of time and actually replace it with 
if the child was called Matt, Matt's mum or Dane's mum or Di's mum, you know, so that they actually realise what they're actually doing in that interaction is they're showing respect for their child and the mother or father of their child. Because I, I think for some people it takes time to work through these emotions, you know, especially if there's been infidelity or um, the partner's been left for somebody else or they didn't want to end the relationship. There's especially right at the moment with I've got a couple of clients who are trying to separate but they can't separate because we have a rental crisis where we live on the south coast. So they're trying to stay in the same house with children. They absolutely hate each other, to put it bluntly. They're trying to stay in the same house because they nobody can get a rental down here where we live. And that's, I think, an issue in lots of parts of Australia, not just on the south coast here of New South Wales. So they're trying to navigate all these emotions and all this energy while being stuck purely because of financial and housing reasons. And so I think it's so complex. The end of a relationship can be so complex. You know, and then sometimes we go into finances. You know, there's there's I think finances are a big thing where it's okay if two people have got together and they build everything together. It should be an even it should be a pretty equal split. But if someone came in maybe a, a different age in their life if somebody's older than the other person when they've met or somebody's came in and one person owns a house outright and the other doesn't, I think also that can cause a lot of dramas at the end of a relationship. You know, there's so many variables at the end of a relationship that can actually bring up all this resentment, anger, sadness, you know, and, and I feel like that, that then determines how well we can handle this healthy conflict. You know, I love that term, healthy conflict, because it's something that um, they should teach in schools. They should teach us how to have healthy conflict. You know, I, I personally, outside of um, my friends in this field, in my actual immediate life, meaning friends and family, I don't know anybody who can do healthy conflict at all. And that's the honest truth. They either run from it, run away from it, or it's toxic. You know, I think it's I think it's a learnt skill and it's a learnt behaviour, how to have healthy conflict. And maybe if we were to learn this stuff, it might make ends of relationships easier and separations and, and dealing with these emotions. And maybe we wouldn't even get to the point where we would have so many separations. Because I think a lot of people don't know themselves. Like I do a lot of couples counselling at the moment and people don't know themselves. So everything that they see in the other person is really a reflection or a projection of themselves. You know, but to actually try and point that out is a process in itself. So what what hope have these these two people got when they're trying to separate? During the relationship, already all the blame was on the other person. No responsibility was on themselves. And then there's a separation. And that that to, it gets amplified. The more emotional we are, generally, 
the more amplified that projection gets. No, but I really, I really think, you know, kids can suffer, like like he's both shared on. Kids can suffer at the end of a relationship. And it's really, it's sad. But it also a lot of the time isn't the parents' fault that they have no coping skills. You know, I think we're all doing the best we can from our level of consciousness. Because I would hate people to listen to be listening to this out there feeling down on themselves because of the way they handled a relationship breakup or a separation because, unfortunately, we do what we do from the, from our level of awareness and our level of consciousness. And, and, and I don't think it's the norm. Like, it, it's so great to hear a separation where two people can do it so healthily, involve the kids and do it so healthily. Like, that's that's the, the textbook. Um example for everybody to evolve and and really not not be wounded from that but i don't see that as the norm at all out there you know even even people in this field even fellow psychotherapists and and fellow friends of mine who are really into this self-development field because we're only one part we're only one part of that equation as well you know, like we we can try and do the best we can from our from our awareness and the way we want to handle the end of a relationship. But the our, the other person may not be on board with that at all. You know, and and I know that that happens a lot in relationships where two people get together, they're at the same level of consciousness, they got the same goals, they got the same out, outlook on life, and then one person grows and the other person doesn't. This person might be in a position who's grown to handle a healthy separation. The person that hasn't grown, unfortunately, won't allow that to happen. You know, there's a lot of revenge tactics at the end of relationships, especially when it comes to finances and kids. You know, I work with a lot of a lot of men and I work with a lot of women, you know, who aren't seeing children, you know, the, the other parents hurt so they withhold hold the children or you know, somebody's really trying to take the other person for their finances because they're hurt. And I suppose, so you, also you're dealing with the, the the loss of the relationship with the partner, but then you can also be dealing with so much more, you know, the loss of not seeing your kids, the loss of, maybe, you know, maybe an unfair court system or a fair court system, depending on which way you're looking at it, you know, and it isn't always... Um, the man that's hard done by these days. It's just, unfortunately, sorry to the solicitors out there, but, you know, their job is unfortunately to lie and manipulate and do what they do to get the best outcome for their for their client, you know, and that's really hard for people to handle. A, they're trying to, trying to deal with what we said previously, the loss of this their life really, their goals, their dreams, their hopes, they're growing old with this person. So they're trying to deal with that. And then also they may be dealing with homelessness. They may be dealing with not not having anywhere to go when they leave that relationship. They may be dealing with all their money being tied up with their partner and then not having access to it. They may be dealing with not seeing their kids. They may be dealing with having to move away because the pain is too great to live in that area anymore where they 
where they live together or they may have no family support in that area so they may have to move back away from their children into another area so that they've got family support so that they don't actually fall apart during this breakup. You know, they're so, you know, and if if I'm completely truthful, I probably, I wouldn't handle a breakup now how I would have handled it in the past. You know, because for me, every day I'm growing, every day I'm learning, every day I'm I'm reading books and, and researching and learning this this journey of life. And I want to be a better person, you know, for my kids and for everybody in the world. And I think that's the responsibility we have when we when we know this information's out there. And when we know we've got access to it and therapy's so accessible these days. You know, there's courses, there's so much stuff on the internet, there's YouTube. You know, there's ways of being of learning how to deal with our shit so that we can be a better person. You know, and, and, and I love what Dean said about, you know, asking his kids what he can do better. Because I think we forget about that a lot. You know, it's something I do with my daughter, my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter. You know, he's almost like, you know, what what do you need from me? Because we all have needs and wants and sometimes we forget that. What do you need from me from me? You know, and even being asked that sometimes, even if they don't need anything, being asked that, I think is actually allowing them to identify what their needs and wants are, which is a big part in healthy conflict when we get older. You know, generally conflict comes about because our needs and our wants aren't being met. And if we don't know how to express them, we either bully the other person to get them or we retreat and just forget about them and repress them. So, yeah, I think um, you know, this topic's so broad, there could be 10 podcasts on separation. I think it's probably one of the biggest things in the world. I don't know what the statistics are at the moment, but I know they're not, they're not good. You know, and, 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 again, I don't know how helpful it is to stay with the same partner forever. You know, that could be my reality because I haven't, I didn't find somebody young and, and grow old with them. But I think, you know, having, I feel like the universe will give us these experiences that we need to allow us to grow. You know, and if two people are together for a long time and they're both evolving and they're both growing, you know, that intimacy sort of concept, allowing each other to see deeper into themselves, great. But that seems to me like it's a rarity. I think it has been for a long time, which is why we see this, you know, this so-called nuclear family, the demise of that, you know. But learning how to navigate that the best we can is a responsibility we have for our kids because like Di said and like Dean said, you know, they can be confused and that's the last thing we want is for them to be confused because all they need to know is that mum loves them, dad loves them, mum's a good person, dad's a good person, really, even if they're not. That's my philosophy. Even if they're not, for the kids' sake, they are. Because like I said, you know, the kids can start thinking that dad's a bad person and there's something wrong with them or mum's a bad person because there's something wrong with them. So I think even if you are struggling with your own shit, you have a responsibility to paint a good picture of your ex-partner in your children's eyes as hard as it, as hard as it, as hard as it is, even if it's not 100% authentic until it is. So, yeah, it's, um, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear what Di's got to say on that. 
Well, I loved what both of you said, and you're both amazing, but I think um, the no blame thing, I think that's really important because, <clears throat> as Dean said, you know, I don't think we 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 don't intentionally want to, unless we're a psychopath, <clears throat> um, we don't want to um, hurt the hurt anyone intentionally. So, number one, we need to deal with our own stuff, which is looking at our own 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 attachment style. Um, so, therapy number one. <clears throat> for you because then you start to understand whether you had an unhealthy um, part in the relationship due to your unfinished um, development, due to poor attachment when you were a child. So you may you may intentionally or unintentionally, unconsciously seek out someone to finish that growing up that you couldn't do. And I think they're often the conflict, really difficult relationships and the toxic relationships because you're actually learning to survive with somebody the same as what <clears throat> you were hurt by as a child or, you know, that you're trying to finish that that relationship. So I think unconsciously we choose somebody to help us assert ourselves in that relationship um so number one i would first thing to do is to look at you can't change the other person in the relationship all you can change is yourself so first thing you do is get therapy ultimately counseling together but if it's going you know if you work on yourself that's all you can do then the relationship may change but then in the reality of actually the separation happening I would advise people when they go through the financial stuff, which that's when the shit hits the fans, that's when things can get really nasty and if they're angry at the other person, they'll the financial's often the one that they'll attack with. And my advice to people would be don't go to the solicitors, go to mediation because the solicitors take everything and um, my advice would be if you can't agree on an amount, to agree on an amount that you put in trust for the kids <laughs> because that way that amount would be solicitors, you can end up spending 50 grand if there's a fight ongoing or even more, you know, and that that might be the what you're, you're fighting for and you lose it, you both lose. So one way out of it is to agree on putting it in, in a trust for kids but you know that's that's a hard one to do and the other thing is to learn how before the relationship breaks up to give it that last chance is to get couple counseling to learn how to fight fair and then if you do decide to split you learn those skills on how to resolve conflict which is Instead of saying, you did this and you should and you, all that, we've spoken about that before, you know. It's like when you do that, it makes me feel this way. And that's where I think when things get shitty, you need mediation. So you need counselling to separate. You need counselling to negotiate. You need mediation to settle the financial. It, you can't do it on your own. It, it ends up can end up really heavy.
for the for the people who who aren't able to look from a higher higher place and go you know this is what we need to do and let's do it as peaceably as we can which you were saying Chad that's that's the minority I'd say a lot of people are just don't know what's happened some people don't know until the person walks out the door that anything's wrong there's just so much stuff in this we could do hundreds of podcasts on it you know Thank, thanks so much, both of you guys. I'll I'll wrap it up um, with what's coming through right now. And when I when I feel into this, when I think about it, what um what can suck when we don't abide by the uh, by the perfect set of rules in the in the exercise book of how to be the perfect partners for each other and the perfect families uh, is that. We end up with those emotions that you described, Chad. Um, what's coming is what I think more often than not we experience is uh, resentment, anger, frustrations. Um, often there's you know, the, the sideline issues, maybe it's jealousy and blame and all those kind of things. Um, so what we want to do ideally is to drop the drop that stuff, drop those emotions, but not, as you said, and I'm just in such in complete agreement. Di and I are just both nodding our head when you made this point earlier in the podcast that we do need to sit with those emotions. Um, ideally, what we do is we become uh, more familiar with them and we become more present with our emotions. Um, that way we're less reactive to the emotions. That way we tend not to be so blaming, as you were saying, Di, and um, our responses in conflict, whether or not basically we're still in partnership, so to speak, or otherwise. It's all one and the same, really. Um, so, yeah, being able to become uh, more aware in the present of our emotions, less reactive, is a really, really fundamental um, place to, to begin and maybe even end. I, I do caveat that with my clients as a relationship counsellor and psychotherapist with um, getting to know oneself and, and, and the other and the others that were in relationship um, really clearly. And, and that's all well and good too. It's a generally speaking thing. I um, make it more specific and say get to know what your lines in the sand are. Get to understand um, what it is, what your boundaries are. Um, get to get to be clear with what your partner's or ex's boundaries are. Again, you know, whether it's, you know, we're officially together or apart, we're still in relationship, particularly when there's kids involved. Um, and the boundary may be that basically last time you tripped over on the way out the door and said, fuck, really out loud, it felt like you're actually blaming me and, um, I, I did take it personally. I'm not big enough to actually accept that maybe it was just you skinning the the skin off your knees in your personal exasperation. I'm um, I'm just saying that actually I I prefer not to have these conversations in this house anymore as you or in this common ground that we've we've considered safe in the past, but I no longer do. And uh, let's just give it some time before we decide to meet here. Let's make a a public place, it's safe. It might be nature or whatever it is. These are small examples, but just setting boundaries, knowing what they are is a really good thing. And basically that way we can also 
get to forgive each other um, when those when those indiscretions are made because the the consequences of those boundaries um, have been attempted to we attempt to abide by we attempt to basically adhere or not adhere okay I'm tripping over my own words now tripping over my own two feet I'm just going to rewind a step setting boundaries and actually having con- consequences um, that we state communicatively out loud to each other and um, consequences sounds like it's a little bit harsher than the kind of word I really want to describe it as but basically they're being reper- repercussions and that's for both of us and it's for both people in partnership to understand of each other and that's where the clarity of knowing getting to know oneself is and um, also knowing that we're not perfect beings, we're not working from you know, the the exercise book of the per- perfect relationships. We're tripping over all the time, and um, and to forgive oneself, um, particularly to forgive oneself. Like I was saying, that um, you know we want to learn to be able to love oneself and have compassion for oneself, um, like we hopefully can practice towards the other. But also forgiveness because we do fuck up all the time and. We do say things and do things that we're not proud of that aren't coming from us, our most virtuous um, point of integrity. So just learn to forgive ourselves, and and that way again it becomes a practice for the other where we get to forgive the other and yeah, let go of those resentments that we've um, that we've basically been hanging on to for way too long because they hurt us. They hanging on to our resentments hurts us as much as it hurts the other. Forgive ourselves for it. Find understanding around it. Just find understanding as to why we have those those triggers. Now I've got. I'm going to give an example as a total wrap up of a conversation I had with a, a beautiful mate just the other day who described in his very evolved relationship that they are contemplating putting up a little whiteboard uh, with their list of triggers on the whiteboard, and. Um, and this is super evolved. Maybe it's something to aspire towards. And every time they do end up in conflict, because they know, like everyone else, that there's going to be conflict from time to time, and that they definitely do experience it in the highs and the lows. That when those conflicts come, um, they go, "Oh, hang on, that's that's a tick in my box because I was just triggered. That's on me." And you know, vice versa. We can play it in so many different ways. And you know, they've made a bit of a game of it, which lines it up. So skillful means is my very last point that we have ways of being able to approach these things that are outside the conventional, the cultural box. We don't have to just basically stick our middle finger up, up in the air and walk away and, um, and you know, believe that there's nothing else that can be done. There's always another way of angling around these things. And like I was saying, what I was suggesting before is that sometimes the angle is actually to find the space that's safe for you and it might actually be alone and for a significant period of time away from the other I think you said to me at one stage, oh, you know, like maybe you could just take a year off um, from each other or whatever. Bloody great suggestion, you know. Um, And whether that's the case or not, I totally advocate for for sitting down with yourself um, so you can actually get to know yourself as well as you possibly can. We come from those patternings of relationship style from, you know, basically not uh, not moving into our deep masculinity or our deep femininity, which we really need to honour and we tend not to culturally in this day and age. And then we've got the, the practical hardships of life like financial stress, like basically the, um, the pressure of our professional lives, let alone being parents. So there's a lot there, guys. I really... Um, just want to, I guess, 
reiterate that support is fundamental across the board to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to reach out. Uh, we're all here representing in that support realm um, for each other and for you guys. You can find us on social media um, through our Instagram accounts individually and also through conversations for men and women. There's dots between the well, conversations.for.men.women. That's where we are on Instagram. And, um, yeah, just sending all our love and support to you guys out there in the listening audience. We'll speak to you next time. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. See ya. Thanks, guys.